Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome fans and welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Different episode today, exciting episode today. This is actually an audience-driven episode. And what I mean by that, the original format of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast is we were just going to start out by covering Western Dubuque. Dubuque Wallert, Dubuque Hempstead, and Dubuque Senior. And the listening audience reached out to me in a very respectful way, I'd like to report. And they said, can you please cover Cascade baseball? Cascade has such a long, rich history for their baseball program. We would like you to get Jerry Rowling on an interview, which will be coming up. We would like you to speak to Roman Hummel, and we would like to hear about the great history of Cascade and the great things that they have coming up in the future. So I took your feedback, and I'm proud to report that joining me today is the leader of the Cascade Cougars, who owned four trips to the state tournament in 1982, 1999, 2004, 2015, Roman Hummel, who as in his own part, was a three-time All-State selection as a player, former UNI Panther baseball standout, 2015 TH Coach of the Year, 2019 River Valley Conference Coach of the Year, and Coach Roman Hummel, I'm sure there are many accolades that I probably left out that I did not add to that list, but thank you for taking your time out and welcome to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, You know, I was introduced to you a little bit by Nate McMullen, and he mentioned um, the podcast that you were doing, and had said if I asked if I had listened to any of those and I hadn't even seen him or anything. And um, when I started to see on say Corey Davidson's timeline on Twitter, that he was on here for the Western Buke aspect of it. And um, I checked some of that stuff out too. And, you know, obviously you think about the Buke County area, you're really considering all those places. You, you think of Cascade, you think of Dyersville and um, obviously the Buke and West of Buke too. And, you know, that this whole area in general is just really filled with great baseball up and down. It is, and we're excited that people have taken to the podcast and wanted us to reach out and do more of that. Coach Hummel, before we get into your program and your players, tell us a little bit about yourself. Start as a player and then lead into your experience as a coach. Uh, So I graduated from Cascade um, High School in 99, and uh, from there I kind of Followed in the footsteps of 
Um, some guys that are older than I was, Jason Simon, Marty Sutherland, Micah Green, all three of those guys uh, went to Kirkwood Community College, um, and they had a lot of success there. They were All those guys are part of um, some of the World Series teams that Kirkwood had, and it seemed like a really good fit for me with the way the program was rolling and getting a chance to be there with um, Marty and Micah was just something I wanted to do. So played there for two years, and then uh, upon that, I um, had originally signed to uh, play baseball at Iowa State, and so I was part of the crew that was left short a little bit. They dropped their baseball program before I had a chance to uh, – um, to play there. So then was a little bit in limbo and got, and then decided actually I, I spent a semester at the university of South Dakota and, you know, it just wasn't the fit that I was looking for and then transferred to UNI and played uh, for a year there with, got a chance to be with Jason and Marty and Micah, um, coach Heller, part of that program. And that was, you know, that was great as well. And then from there, um, I just was always kind of involved with the coaching aspect. Um, I was with uh, uh, Pat Weber, or Yipe, as most know, at Monticello for a year as an assistant coach and then came over to Cascade with him for, I want to say, about four years while he was here. And then I've been the head coach here at Cascade now for 10 years. It's interesting that you mentioned uh, Iowa State University because we played against each other in Babe Ruth and Dyers and Farley has that big tournament. And I remember that you were announced that you were going to be playing Division One at Iowa State, and I played first base. And I remember being afraid because I forgot to bring my cup that day. And when I was playing first base when you were batting, I was playing back in the outfield grass, hoping that you would not one-hop me or short-hop me and none of my infielders would, would do that as well. That was a shame that happened to that program with it shutting down and then you and I later as well. Now, how many total years have you been coaching and how many of those have been at the varsity level at Cascade? Um, so I was with Yipe, with Pat here for four years um, as his assistant in Cascade. And then the last 10, I've been um, the head coach. So that's 14 years altogether. And we were at Monticello for a year um, as well. Um, when That's where Pat had gotten his first um, head job. So we were you know, 15 total, uh, 14 of those here at Cascade. Four as an assistant, 10 as a head coach. Now, I've asked every coach that I've interviewed this question, and I'm surprised by how many people do not know this, but do you know your overall career record off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, I couldn't begin to tell you, but um, I was prepared for this. So Thank I did. Um, so, yeah, it's the only reason that I know. Um, I was listening to the one that you had with Jeff Rapp and I'm kind of in the same boat that he was. You, when you have to do the TH, fill out the questionnaire form. That's the usually the first time that I look at what my career record is because it just it's one of those things that I don't really think about too much. So again, you know, I knew that ahead of time a little bit. So it's 281 and 88 is my varsity record right now. An impressive record. And I, yesterday I had the pleasure of interviewing Coach Dan Spain from Clark University, and he had shared that. He doesn't take credit for any of the wins, but he will take credit for all of the losses, and he had way too many losses. Now, you mentioned Nate McMullen before. I used to teach with him at Jefferson Middle School. Great guy, great baseball mind. Introduce us to your staff and some of the backgrounds that they bring to the program. 
So we made a little bit of a change this year. Um, for the longest time, we've always had a freshman and sophomore coach and then a varsity and a varsity system coach. And you know, it's kind of one of the signs of the time, I guess, with a lot of high school sports, our numbers aren't quite as great as what they once were. So we've basically gone now to um, having a varsity coach with, with an assistant, and now we have a JV coach. And this is the first year that we're doing that. We're actually bringing in um, junior high baseball this year, too, for the first time. And so uh, we've we had a little bit of a shakeup. I had um, Eric D'Souza was my assistant coach for a long while, and uh, he took a different position. And so uh, Nate had been our sophomore coach, I guess you would look at it, or freshman coach at the time for the past few years. And so um, he'll now be my assistant coach. Um, you know, it was pretty natural transition just being him being in the program as a player and then as a coach for the last few years. So it works for him to step in and be an assistant with me. He knows the players. He knows the things that really uh, that we want to see happen with the program. So it was easy to have him be in there. And then uh, we hired Will Rowling um, this year as our freshman slash JV coach kind of thing. And he's a first year guy. Um, he just graduated last year and, um, I just felt like he had, a, he's, he's great with kids. He makes great connections, great relationships with kids. And, you know, I've, I've always just felt like it's always nice to have somebody maybe that was, has gone through the program to be a, a coach for younger levels or an assistant or anything like that. And, um, felt like he'd do a great job. And I'm excited to have him on board. Um, you know, I know he's going to do everything that he did when he was in high school. He's going to bring a great, a great baseball mind um, as well to us. And so I'm excited to have to have him on board this year. And when you have openings at Cascade, what are some qualities that you look for when you're going to bring a coach into the program? Um, no, we're really looking for somebody that understands the game of baseball. Um, somebody that's going to teach fundamentals, that's going to really make it enjoyable for the kids to be um, part of a program. And I think probably one of the bigger parts of it, too, for me was somebody that's going to have be able to create positive relationships with the players. Um, keeping kids out for summer baseball anymore is getting harder and harder um, just with people wanting to get a job, wanting to be uh, away from sports a little bit more and go on family vacations and things like that. And if we can have guys, especially at lower levels, I think – help develop a love for the game and enjoy it a lot. I think that's something that's really important. And so having that good, that positive relationship with kids is I think one of the first and foremost things that you got to be able to do, because if you can't do that, they're not going to really enjoy it. And they're not going to want to stay out. And, you know, I think that's probably one of the more important things that we, that we look for. Now you mentioned Eric D'Souza before, and I've gotten to know him a little bit. Is he still involved in the game? I know he's not at Cascade anymore, but is he still involved in the game of baseball coaching, or is he taking his summer to uh, further his education, or what's going on with him? Um, so he took a position um, with his dad's company, uh, the Friedman Group, and so uh, I know he wants to get back into the coaching aspect of it, and he's basically going to take a year or so to really establish himself within that business before he tries to get back into anything. Um, he really didn't want to overwhelm himself with saying, yeah, I can do this. Um, I can coach and do this position at the same time. He wanted to make sure he had a pretty good foothold of what he was going to be doing. And I think at some point he definitely would like to get back involved with it. Um, but you know, right now at the moment, he's, he's not doing a whole lot with it. Yeah. makes sense. And he's a, he's a good baseball mind. Now, 
I know Western Dubuque has a program motto from when I coached there, and it was win, what's important now from Lou Holtz. Does your program have a motto? And to piggyback on that, what are some of your coaching beliefs? Um, I think there's, you know, we've, we've done the t-shirt things and we've had things, uh, different stuff written in the back of them. We've done, we've had, um, the what's important now aspect of it as part of our program too. I, I took it away from Brian Kane, um, who was a speaker that was at the baseball coaches clinic a few years back. Um, so he was one that I, you know, I had that part of it, but I think when I thought about it a little bit more, you know, I, we don't really have a model that we always go off of. And I think, but the one that I, just a, a phrase, I guess, more than anything that I refer to the most is trust the process. Um, so that's something that we say a lot and we go over all the time because um, that's a bigger part I, for, for me as a coach and that I try to get through to players too, that if they trust in the process and the things that they're doing in practice and that we're telling them that um, the wins will take care of themselves. As a coach, what would you say is your greatest strength? Um, you know, I think that's really changed a lot for me since I, I first started coaching. Um, I've obviously, you know, been around the game a lot. I've been around um, some really, really great coaches too. And I've taken a lot of things away from those guys. And so I think, you know, the knowledge of the game that I have and the focus on fundamentals that I've, I've learned from a lot of those coaches are probably the two biggest strengths I have. Um, you know, I, I spent, you know, a lot of time, you know, talking with Coach Rowling, talking with Pat Weber, talk, you know, um, and any more, you know, great resource that I have in Marty Sutherland, too, that I can refer to a lot of times to ask questions about. Um, so, you know, just really my knowledge of the game is probably one of my my bigger strengths that I have, I feel. And, you know, my ability to, you know, like I said, it's kind of changed a lot. You know, at the beginning of my career, I was one of those coaches that believed in waking up early and uh, getting in the weight room all the time and just being really gung-ho about a lot of stuff. And I think that's great for some players. It's not great for others. So I've changed a lot of some of my beliefs, you know, from, you know, my, my first year as the head coach 10 years ago to what it is now to being a little bit more of, you know, got to be more of the player's coach than I think, you know, they have to do what I want them to do sort of thing. So, um, you know, another part of that, I think, is just being able to be a, be flexible with really anything with the players, um, with their thoughts, with their their attitudes and things like that. When I think of Cascade and I think of baseball, I mean, there's a plethora of people that you can talk to. I mean, I'm sure if you want to come up with pitching drills or you can reach out to Colin Ray, and I believe there's some Rays that have also gotten drafted too. And then you have Jerry Rowling, who was a national coach of the year. And then you also have Marty there from Marty Sutherland from Iowa. So you have just from Cascade community alone, a lot of guys at different parts of the game of baseball, whether it be professional, high high school ranks, and college that you can reach to to um, get ideas from and continue to learn from. Now, what are some, or what is a weakness of yours if you had to pinpoint one down? Um, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to get better at a lot of different parts. You know, I, I I fancied myself as a hitting guy when I was um, as an assistant. And, you know, that's probably one of the areas that I have a little bit more, more knowledge about. I spent, so I've spent a lot more time out the last few years, a lot more throwing aspect, pitching aspect and things. 
um, and trying to be a lot better with that part of it. And, but one thing that I've really, I, I just, it's, it's a, it's a place that I've neglected and I've been fortunate though, to have some, some people that have coached in cascade that still have their, their license and that will help out from time to time. But the catching aspect is something that I feel I really neglect um, because there's so many other parts of it that I feel like I got to spend my time on. And like I said, you know, I've been really fortunate that um, for a time, Dan Lynch um, had his coaching author- authorization. He coached freshman baseball for a little while and so did Calvin Ray. And both those two guys were outstanding high school and college catchers. Um, they both played, um, Calvin played at Nyack and at Loris, and then Dan played at Kirkwood and played at Loris as well. And so from time to time, I get an opportunity about, it varies a lot now as they both have kids and stuff, but they'll come in from time to time and work with some of the catchers. And it's like, gosh, that's the, one of the best days that we have. It's like, man, you know, at least they can pick up on some things um, when they're there. And then I don't have to worry about that part so much, but I think you know, just the, the catching aspect is the one that I really struggle with. It's good that you have those guys in place that will come in and, and do that with them. Now, it's hard to talk about Cascade baseball and not mention Hall of Fame coach Jerry Rowling. And since you and I have been bouncing back ideas and emails, actually, Jerry Rowling was just a first inductee into the Cascade Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Jerry Rowling for that. But what were some of your greatest experiences when you played for him? Um, you know, I, it was being part of the program while he was the coach here was one of the, you know, I think one of the more important things for me because I learned a lot about the fundamentals of baseball. And that's one thing that I think that he really instilled in me as a player and also just in the program in general, because there's even today, there's a lot of the same things that we do or things that he did as a coach because they just, they make so much sense and there's just no reason to have to change a lot of that stuff. Um, so yeah. I mean, and then, you know, just to piggyback off that too, you know, with him and coach Marshall and coach David, David show for being the first class, you know, of hall of famers that are getting inducted in the cascade. I think it's awesome. You know, I mean, coach Rowling is, you know, an icon in this, in this area as a coach and, you know, for me, some, you know, there's, a, there's little things that stick out here and there, but, you know, for me, I think my greatest experience was with him was in 1999 when we got to go to the state tournament. Um, you know, for my four, my, I guess, four years as a varsity player at Cascade, we had been really, really good. And when I was a sophomore, I think we had one of the better teams that have gone through Cascade. And we came up short in the, uh, the sub-state final game against Mount Vernon. And my my junior year, again, we had a really good team. We got beat by Dyersville. And then it just felt like we've had so – there There was just a great run of baseball. We never got a chance to get to the state tournament with Coach Rowling. And then so my senior year in 99, um, we actually didn't get started off in, on a on a good note. Um, we were struggling a little bit. And then we just started to play really well. And, you know, one of the things that he kind of instilled in me and that, you know, I talked about the process aspect of it was just to keep playing and having fun, keep playing and having fun. And we did that year. And we were fortunate to, to have that opportunity. And I just remember that moment when the game was over with and just giving him a hug and being like, man, this is finally – you know, it's been a long time since he had gotten to the state tournament. Um, and I just felt like that was for me, one of the, one of my big moments with him was being part of that. You know, I think it was what, 17 years in between, you know, his chance. And he had so many good teams in between there. 
And I know a lot of players that I've talked to in the past, like past players that have always said that you know, it's just unfortunate that we didn't get to the state tournament. You know, we always ran into the buzzsaw. It seemed like a lot of times of Dyersville that had just such good teams too. And we were always playing each other in a district final, a sub-state final. And it was just a battle all the time with those guys. And, you know, to, that, that to me was my, my greatest experience with him. That 1999 season was a exciting year for baseball in Dubuque. That was uh, Coach Dick Kors last year at Hempstead in 1999. And him and Jerry are, are great friends. I see them at varsity games sitting by each other uh, talking baseball quite a bit. And, and that was my uh, junior year that I played for Coach Kors. And I remember we went to watch you guys uh, play in that first round at, at state because we were there as well. Now, Coach Rowling, he's been a nationally recognized coach. Now, what tangibles does he have that made him such a great coach and allowed him to get nationally recognized for all the great things that he did? Um, I think, you know, for me, when I think of all the coaches that I've been with, um, that I've played for, you know, things that stick out to me were the fact that you – like I always wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing for him. And I, I don't exactly know, you know, he just instilled that he demanded that out of his players and, you know, just repeating drills, repeating drills and doing things, you know, not trying to find the new latest gadgets or new way to do infield or do anything like that. I think he stuck to his beliefs more than anybody. Um, you know, coach Marshall, basketball coach here for a long time too, is the same way. It was always the same stuff, you know. There, there are some new plays here and there, some new little things, but for the most part, that's what they stuck to, and they believed in all of that stuff, and they believed in themselves. And you know, I think that's one of the things that's really hard for coaches now because there's so much out there that you can try and you can do, and it's like you're doing this one year, and then the next year you're doing this, and you're like, oh, I got to keep up with all of these, all of these things that are going on. And I don't think Coach Rowling ever did anything like that. I think he stuck to what he believed in, and that's why he had a lot of the success that he did. And, you know, for me, that's one of the things that really sticks out about him. And if you listen to the Wallert program spotlight, Coach Tischer says some great things about Coach Rowling as well. Now, you mentioned it earlier in our interview, Roman, that Jerry Rowling is an icon in Cascade. Now, what did he provide to not only the baseball community in Cascade, but to the community as a whole. What made him that icon besides being a great baseball coach and a great guy? Um, you know, what I think, you know, I know back when he first started up here, I know he was part of the little league programs and he started getting a lot of that stuff going on. Um, there's some pictures that I've seen of him helping working out with little league guys and getting the programs running. And I think, you know, he helped bring some of that structure. I mean, Cascade has had great baseball for years and years before him. And I think that's one of the things, you know, with him being part of the semi-pro circuit when he was a younger player too, that he knew what baseball in Dubuque County was and how great it was. And I think he understood the tradition that Cascade had, you know, well before he was a head coach here. And so I think him being part of that, that, you know, the greatness of baseball in Dubuque County really helped develop that just in Cascade in general. Um, you know, there are some really great players that came through here in the, in the early ages, obviously a Hall of Famer and Red Faber and a lot of, you know, just our great semi-pro guys that, that were around here as well. And, you know, I think Coach Rowling was 
you know, part of the semi-pro part of it, um, you know, that during the heyday in the, in the seventies and eighties and stuff that, you know, he just had that grit about him. He had all of that, that I think a lot of players that he had, you know, just, it got ingrained in them a little bit. And so I think that's something that everybody refers to. Everybody knows like what that name, what his name is when it gets brought up and, you know, they had him as a, they had him as a coach. They had him, you know, knew him as a player when he was playing up with Holy Cross or anything like that. So, um, you know, he's given given the structure, I think, especially even to the future coaches. You know, Coach Weber took over for him. It was the same kind of thing. When I take when I took over for Coach Weber, it's the same kind of stuff that we were doing when we had Coach Rowling as the coach. So he's really instilled that, the sense of pride to have in your community, the sense of pride to have in your program. And if you're going to do something, you're, you're going to do it the right way. One story that I love about that sense of pride that I'm thinking back is, I was uh, working with Jerry when he was at Wallard. I was a freshman coach there, and I was talking to his wife, Barb, who's a phenomenal lady, and they were telling me how the night before they were going to a Cascade um, Beckman game, and they were getting ready to go, and Jerry had on what he was just wearing for that day, and it was a green collared shirt. And they got in the car and they drove to the end of the street, and Jerry said, we need to go back and change because I don't want people to get the wrong message if I show up to a Cascade Beckman game wearing a green collared shirt. So they drove around and they turned and went back home, and he he put on some Cascade gear. Now, when I research for an episode... I came across one of my favorite pitchers that I've come across in the couple months that I started doing this podcast. And I was Google searching Roman Hummel and Google searching Cascade Baseball. And I remember just like it was yesterday, but there is a picture of you and Jerry exchanging lineup cards at Petrakis Park. Um, and I'm pretty sure he was probably going over the ground rules with you. That's probably one of my favorite pictures or images that I've come across since I started doing this podcast. But what was it like the first time that you were coaching against him at Waller? I mean, that was for Dubuque County. That was such a memorable experience. That was such a memorable game. And Many people were there to watch and just to view what that experience was going to be like. Yeah, I I remember going into it not thinking a whole lot like it was a huge deal. And then uh, for the um, it was even before then. I got a phone call just asking me, you know, asking some questions about it. And I was like, wow, I never really considered this to be. You know, to me, it was another game. It wasn't that huge of a deal. And then once um, the TH was there and like, I remember talking to Jim Leitner a little bit too, like, oh, you know, the, there's the player and the coach, you know, kind of thing going against each other. And it's like, man, this is, uh, this is kind of cool. Um, but it, I, I was nervous um, because at that time, you know, Waller had a, they were really, really good. We got pounded that, that game. <laughs> we got beat 13 to two at five innings or something like that. Um but I, I was just really nervous because I didn't know, you know, in, in my heart, I was like, man, I, I really wanted to win that game. I wanted to beat him be like, yeah, I know what I know what I'm doing. And they came out and brought it just, like I said, they beat us bad. And I was like, well, no, I still got a lot. To, I got a lot to figure out yet. But, uh, you know, there's like little nuances too that I was just like watching. And 
I remember sitting in the dugout watching him give signs and like, oh, I wonder if he still uses the same signs that he had when we were in high school and um, trying to pick up on a lot of different things like that from him. But it, it was it was a great experience. And, you know, that's, that sticks out to me, too, as one that I that I won't really ever forget either, just because, you know, he was a big part of my career as a player. And I was always been really appreciative of all the things that he's done. And, you know, we actually every now and again, we would talk here and there. And it was actually this year that I reached out to him a little bit more for advice on some certain things here and there. And I was thinking back when I I gave him a phone call this year about it and um, the things that he was sharing with me, I was like, gosh, these, you know, even from when he was a beginning coach, they're all really relevant things. And he's such a great resource to have that, you know, it's great that I'm able to reach out to him whenever I need to. And, um, but yeah, that's one of the, that was a pretty cool moment. That's there's no doubt about it. I, I saw that picture and I can remember how special of a moment that was. And I wasn't even any any part of that. And I actually did go back and, and read that article again. And Jim Leitner for the TH does does a great job. How, how did it change in the years after coaching him? Um, was it still a, a big deal? Was it still one that maybe you circled on your calendar? Or was it just a great time just to be on the baseball field, two great friends that have mutual respect for each other, being able to teach the game and compete against each other on a different level? Yeah, you know, I always wondered if it was more of a like a surreal experience for him when he his first year at Wallard and coaching against Cascade. You know, I mean, he had been there for a few years, um, you know, for that game when, when him and I coached against each other. So I was kind of – I never asked him that question, and maybe that's something you can bring up with him too, is, you know, what was it like to coach against Cascade for the first time? Um, so, you know, for – you know, games following that, I think there was a lot more – ease in my mind as far as being able to coach and not have to worry so much about the publicity end of it in a way, you know, like uh, as they were making that game out to be. And, you know, we had some great, you know, the last few years anyways, we've had, we've had some, you know, great competition. Now, Coach, Cascade, they have such a long history of great players. And many of those great players you would have played with and many of them you would have coached. So if you can think back to your time as a player and as a coach, who were some of those great players that you have coached for the Cascade Cougars? Um, you know, so I, you know, thinking about that a little bit, you know, I graduated in 99 and um, the high school program was going in, in 76, I believe it was like around there, 76, 77 is that first year. And so just as a kid growing up, um, I spent a lot of time with Marty, Marty Sutherland and Jason Simon and Jason's my first cousin. And so everybody always thinks that Marty, Jason and I are all cousins. And it's just kind of, it's, it's funny that I'm related to Jason on my mom's side and Jason is actually related to Marty on his dad's side. And so we were always together and we spent, countless hours playing wiffle ball, doing everything else um, that we could. And, uh, you know, with, they were related on the Simon side, and the Simons were huge into baseball. Um, you know, so we spent – I got a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities with Marty to, to bad boy for the Cascade Reds growing up. And then, you know, those so – I, I think back to those types of players, and those are the ones that stick out to me a little bit, you know, all those guys, for the most part, played Cascade um, 
played high school at Cassie too. So, you know, when I think about some of those players, I think a lot of those of the Simons, Mark, Dave, Shane, those three guys as being great players. You know, those were some of the ones that start to stick out to me. Kevin Felton, who was a great player. Um, you know, those are the first ones that come to mind, the, the middle, late 80s into the 90s. And then when I was really starting to get into the high school baseball aspect of it, um, you know, one of the first guys that always stuck out to me was Aaron McDermott. Um, left-handed hitter, played first base, hit a bunch of home runs. Really, that's he's probably the first guy that I remember watching some games as a high as a young kid with the high school team, um, and just seeing them and being like, "Wow!" You see him hit a ball off the monster, or do something like that, and that really, you really kind of got me going a little bit. And then, uh, you know, as I got to be a little bit older in my junior high days and into high school. Um, obviously I got a chance to play with Marty and Jason and Micah. Um, some guys like a Ben Frazier, for instance, was a guy that sticks out to me. That was a, was a really good second baseman great, great power that he had. Um, and then, you know, I look at the, the one that really sticks out to me too, is the countless number of pitchers that were outstanding that played college baseball and, um, that list to me is really, really long. Um, Joel Callahan's a guy that I played semi-pro with that has a bunch of, that has some of the records at Cascade that played in the late seventies. Um, and then Pat sticks out, uh, Jake Nom and Noah Green. You know, one of the things that I did, um, I put up all the stats for um, from seventy-six on to to present day. I put them on the our district website under the baseball page in athletics. So I was clicking on those and flipping through them, and I'm looking at the the pitching stats. I'm like, wow, this is this is crazy. Um, you know, a guy like Curly Takis again sticks out. And I think of getting more modern. You know, obviously the Colin Rays, he sticks out as being a, a great pitcher that we had. Micah Green, um, you know, one Adam McDermott who um, took he was part of the the 2004 team, I think that it was at the state that got them to the state tournament as a great pitcher. Um, then we, you know, as I started coaching a little bit more, we had um, Derek France and Trace Huffman as two really outstanding pitchers too that went on to play at the college level. Um, you know, when I think when I was an assistant with um, Pat, you know, he took over for Coach Rowling, and you know that that was the class of Colin Ray, Brendan Malloy, Nate Meyer. Calvin Ray, you know, all that, that was just, it was an outstanding class that we had. And those, those teams were incredible. And it was, you know, we, I always take the bus off of a Dyersville or something like that, that we had to play. And those guys were probably in one of the more unfortunate years when um, suddenly this Davenport assumption team drops down to a two way and we play them two years in a row and get beat by them. You know, that class, you know, so that's, I look at like, Nate Myers being and Brennan and Colin and those guys as being outstanding players. Um, and then, you know, even recent, some more recent guys too. I remember, um, you know, even Tom Andrews too, you know, sticks out as a guy who played at Loris college and just was an unbelievable player as well. And um, the other part was like the outfield end of it. You know, we've had some outstanding defensive outfielders. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see some of the guys, kids go through that had been players and, you know, a couple, you know, uh, we had Bryce Simon that just graduated a few years ago that was playing college baseball at Moorhead State was an outstanding outfielder for us. Um, Harris and Reagan take us were two guys too. I mean, Harris, it was funny when I think Nate and I were talking about this one day, McMullen and I, 
and we had said, you know, Harris was a, he was a shortstop going through his whole little league career. Great, great shortstop. And we needed an outfielder. And we, I put him in center field and I, he was, you know, to me, one of the best center fielders that we'd had that I, that I can remember. I mean, his first step that he had on everything and you know, we don't have a great basketball career Clark afterwards, you know? So, I mean, that list to me just goes on and on and on with some of the great players that we have that, and that's one thing that really sticks out to me is all these guys that we had play that had great college careers too. You know, that's something that I don't think you really see. I mean, I think everybody almost that I've said in this list has played college baseball in some way, shape or form, you know, with, with some really successful teams. And so I'm, I know I'm, there's a bunch of guys I'm sure that I didn't think of that I'm leaving off the list. Um, you know, fundamental catchers is another part that I think really sticks out to me in cascade baseball. You know, with, I had mentioned Dan Lynch, Calvin Ray, um, Brian Trump was a year younger than me and caught me and it was just his ability to frame baseballs and just do everything was unbelievable. Um, you know, so we've had some great, great talent that has gone through Cascade and, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, I'm trying to think of the, the guys in the early 80s, mid 80s that I don't really know a whole lot because I know there's been some really great ones that have gone through there. You know, something that I'm sure Coach Rowling can really talk about too um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's been pretty crazy. I think the number of people that we've had that have, that have gone through and had those great college careers and we even come back. And I, I really, another episode that I think you should do, cause I thought about this. I don't know if you've listened to the Moonlight Graham show at all. I have not. Their no. podcast. I have not. I, I will though. So there, there's this outstanding. So it's, uh, my brother-in-law, Brett Featherston. Um, it's a, uh, a, a guy that he played with at you and I that are, um, they're from the Fort Dodge area originally. And theirs is all about the underdog, the underdog players, those unwritten guys that you really don't know about from, from Iowa, this whole area. Mm. And, um, there, I had mentioned to them one time, cause there was some talk about like some semi-pro baseball stuff. And I said, wow, one of the great things I think you could do is try to get like a Gary Langell and, you know, Pat Weber's, you know, some of those older guys, Paul Sherman, and that have a, a whole huge conversation about semi-pro baseball in Iowa, because I don't think there's a lot of places that have those types of things. And I, you know, cause I think of the success that we've had in Cascade with semi-pro baseball. I'm like, all those guys played high school baseball here in Cascade. And, you know, I think that's, to me, that's really awesome. You know, you see our guys that are, you know, leave the high school program that have great college careers and then they go on and have a pretty cool, um, semi-pro career too. Yeah, there, there isn't um, right now any semi-pro episodes, but I have had people reach out and talk about doing semi-pro, and I've reached out to a couple people. We're definitely going to be doing that. We're trying to get the high school episodes out right now and produce those and put those out before the season starts. And when I think about Cascade, I mean, I came from Dubuque, played uh, at Dubuque Hempstead, coached at Dubuque Hempstead, but Hempstead's number of kids is huge compared to Cascade. But when you look at those players that you named, how many of those kids went on to play high-level college baseball? And you guys probably have had more guys drafted to play professional baseball than the huge numbers that Dubuque Hempstead had. So, a uh, lot of great things, a lot of great players um, going on. And in Coach Bryant's 
episode, we asked a question about who were the best players that he ever coached against. And he said it was one of them was Marty Sutherland. He said they could never get that guy out. And whatever they tried to do, they would throw it 15 feet outside. He would still get a base hit against him. And whatever they could do, they could not get um, Marty Sutherland out. But I'm going to have to check out that podcast. And I do know we are going to take a trip down the semi-pro route. We're just lining up guests right now for those. Now we've heard about the great history with Cascade and we've got the opportunity to share some Jerry Rowling stories, but it would not be fair for us not to talk about the upcoming 2020 season and the 2020 season preview. Cascade is coming off a campaign where they were 24 and 11 the year before. So coach Roman Hummel, what are your expectations for the upcoming season? Um, you know, I look at our, I look at us as being, we're going to be young. You know, we had a pretty good senior class last year, um, that we're, we lost some really quality players out of. And so, but we do have, I mean, even though we did lose those guys, we still have a good group coming back. And, um, so, you know, I definitely expect us to be a lot better than I think a lot of other people think we're going to be, especially when you look at, you know, we lost, you know, one of the better pitchers that we had within our conference and um, Harris Huffman and then Reed Roush, great hitter, uh, Riley, Riley Reed, a great hitter for us too. Um, you know, the Logan Odding, you know, those guys that we, that we lost, I think people are going to look at that and say, Oh, they're not going to be as good as they were or anything like that. But, you know, we've had, you know, at the end of the year, we had a couple of guys that really stepped up and did a great job that were sophomores last year that I think are going to really help us this year. You know, I mean, even though it looks like we're young, we do have some pretty good experience coming back. So I, we're going to compete definitely, um, you know, especially on our side of the River Valley North. Um, you know, I see us as being one of the top teams there. And then overall in the conference too, we have a chance to compete as well. Now you mentioned the River Valley Conference. Who are traditionally some of the top teams in that conference? Who do you think um, – might challenge you for that top spot in the conference? And then who are some top players that if I were to make a trip out to the field in Cascade to watch a game that I would go out of my way to come see play? Um, You know, this, on, on our side, so we have two different divisions. We have the River Valley North, which are, you know, teams traditionally around here. Um, we have Comanche, Bellevue, Monticello, Anamasa, um, Northeast Goose Lake and North Cedar. And, you know, Comanche was, they were young last year too. And they, they bring back a decent class of kids. I mean, they were a lot of freshmen, sophomore kids and juniors that, that are going to be coming back. And so I think they, you know, they'll, they'll be really good. Um, you know, I look at them, they had a sophomore last year. His name is Mason Burns. That was, um, that, that was really good. And that's the thing about them is they're sophomores and freshmen. So they're going to, just continue to get better. They had a great basketball run this year. And I think there's, you know, kind of seeing some of that success and it's going to pour over into their baseball program. Um, you know, Monticello has traditionally been pretty good. They have some guys coming back. Um, and another team that, you know, was kind of off the radar a little bit, I thought, um, Anamos is going to be pretty good. They were another team that were, they were pretty young um, going into the season last year. And so they bring a lot of those guys back. Um, you know, they have a, another sophomore, Nolan McLean, that's 
you know, had four home runs last year, one of their best pitchers, you know, a guy that can run it up into the low eighties. That's a, that's a very good player. And, uh, but the bigger part I think is on the river Valley South, you know, Wilton has been a team that traditionally has been really, really good. I mean, they're a state tournament team almost every single year, it seems, but they had, they started nine seniors last year. And so it'll be interesting to see how, I mean, it doesn't even matter for them. It always, they just come back and they're always really good. But uh, West Branch last year uh, was a state tournament team, and they were full of juniors. They graduated one guy from that class that was a really big part of it. But, uh, you know, I think they have two really good arms in Matt Paulson and Trey Eagle that I think are going to be really good this year. And they have, um, you know, a big-time hitter in um, Pete Espenson, that big lefty that I was really impressed with um, last year. So, I mean, I, I think – you know, looking into season, I see uh, West Branch as being the team, you know, overall within our conference. They're part of the River Valley South end of it. That's going to be really, really good. And then Regina has um, then uh, Chase Becker. Um, he's a University of Minnesota commit and um, really good pitcher. He's going there as, as a pitching prospect. And, you know, he's a kid that has gotten a lot better, you know, that people, there's a lot of talk about him too. Um, so, you know, that's another kid that you look at as being one of the better guys in, in, in our conference for sure that, you know, we saw him last year on the mound. We ended up beating them, but uh, he's, he's very good. Man. He's, he was always sophomore. He's going to get better. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Now let's talk about your team. Let's talk about your players. Uh, walk us around the horn. Who will we see on the infield and any uh, position battles you see taking place? And I do want to preface this that I can tell you that, Every coach says this, and we mean this. This is in no way Coach Hummel's starting lineup. He still needs to see a lot. He still needs to see how players develop, how they adjust to adversity. So don't think that this is going to be his opening day lineup card here. We're just asking him to share about the players that he has on his roster right now. So, Coach, walk us around the infield first. Start us with catcher, and then we'll move on to first and second, short and third. So last year we had um, we had some young guys, a couple of eighth graders um, that had the opportunity to have a few at bats here and there with the varsity team. And um, so this year I look at um, Kate Rowell. She's a only a freshman that you know really good fundamentally behind the plate that I think has an opportunity to help us out um, behind the dish. Um, you know, he's he's the one that we're looking at right now to to hopefully fill that position. And you know that's kind of one of those open spots. We had, we had Riley Reed there last the last few years, couple of years has been awesome for us. And so we need, we need him to step up. And I think, you know, that's the guy that we're looking at there. Um, we bring back some, some really good infielders. I think, you know, at first base, we have Caleb Topping who played a lot last year, who was actually um, one of our better pitchers too. That was, you know, at the end of the year, you could rely on that kid at any moment to throw strikes, throws a breaking ball whenever he needs to for a strike. Um, you know, he, we look for big things from him. Um, we had Ted Weber as a sophomore last year, played third base, and he's only gotten better. He's gotten a lot stronger. Um, you know, he's going to do a great job. And uh, we had Eli Green last year, played some shortstop, played a little bit of first base here, but also another um, big arm for us on the mound. And he's put in a lot of work. Um, he's involved with Dusty Rogers in a Dubuque and has played with them all fall and done a, a lot of good things. And that's – you know, those are the guys in the infield that we're looking at. You know, at second base, it's an open spot for us. Will Rowling was there last year, and 
know, just a, a guy you knew that was going to fill in that spot no matter what all the time. And so that's a, a position this year that we're looking to fill. And so his, his younger brother, Justin, is a guy that we'll look at. Um, Mason Odding's a guy that we'll look at. I mean, that that's a spot that there's going to be some big competition at second base. Um, and then outfield-wise, it's a little bit of the same thing. The only one that we had, we had a lot of guys that were in that spot last year, but nobody that was a starter. We had Harris Huffman that was out there that was a great player for us. Um, and then Tanner Simon stepped up as a freshman last year and, and played – it just got better and better and better as the year went on. So he'll be back out there. Um, Caden Rinke um, is a great defensive outfielder and uh, another guy on the mound that we're going to look for. He's a senior that we're going to expect some big things out of. So those two guys, I think, will be the outfield. And then we have, a, you know, just the other spots kind of open for competition too. Um, uh, Jack Menster was a guy that played out there a little bit last year. Uh, Justin Rowling was out there as well. Cooper Rausch. Um, and then, you know, a couple of other guys – that, that are going to compete, Zach Green, Jose Nava. I mean, we're looking for that guy. And, you know, for us, you know, we don't have, you know, a, a ton of guys that really specialize in anything. So all of our guys are in soccer and this or whatever, um, running track, do all those things. You know, with, the, with those seasons being done, it's, it's a little bit of a unique situation for us this year where, you know, I think all we'll have all those guys right away when the season starts. You know, um, Caden was a, was a guy every year that, it took him about halfway through the year to, to get acclimated to the baseball aspect of it. Um, so having him full-time will be great. Um, last year we had um, Carter Green was a guy that, as a sophomore, the mound was outstanding for us, and he hurt his shoulder in football and had surgery and missed the year last year. And so I think that's a guy that, you know, if he plays last year, he, he falls in as probably looking at our number one, number two pitcher, and we didn't have him at all. And so, you know, Hopefully he's he's going to be real. He's going to come back healthy for us. He's going to be a big shot in the arm, I think. A lefty on the mound, um, very good defensively, either at first base or in the outfield. And so, I mean, we've got some really good pieces coming back. And you know, I expect all those guys to compete and um, you know create the depth that we need. And you know, I think you know overall, you know, there's a lot of competition that has to happen. We're going to be young. I mean, there's some of those guys. You know, Tanner is a sophomore. Jack and Mason or Kate or freshmen. I mean, there's, there's some young guys and you know, we're going to be looking to compete this year for sure. I'm excited to see what happens with that second base position, because I remember in all my years of coaching second base, when you go to hit your first round of IO, the very first day of practice, you would have two or three at every position and you have about 15 second basemen. So it's, it's great to hear that that second base base spot is open. Now, I was doing some research about Cascade last night, and your pitching rotation, you are losing six seniors that threw innings for you. You need to replace 133 innings, and you need to replace 13 wins. Who are some of those guys that you're looking to fill those top pitcher spots to fill in those 133 innings that you'll that you're going to be losing? No, that that's where I you know like I said, hopeful with Carter Green to be able to come back healthy is going to be huge for us. Like I said, he was trending as a sophomore to be a top end of the rotation guy as a junior last year, and you know, with the shoulder injury that he had, we didn't have him at all, and so he we'll be back healthy this year. So he's going to be a guy we'll really look at as, as being one of those. We have a, 
another guy, Jack Carr, um, who threw a little bit as a JV guy last year and such, and just as a strike thrower. I mean, he is not overpowering, but he, he's not going to, he's not going to lose games because he's walking guys or doing anything. He's not going to beat himself. And that's another guy we'll look at, we'll look at us saying, Hey, you're looking at you to be really, really competitive for us. You know, and you know, for us, we have everybody on our team that, that can pitch, you know, that's kind of one of the things I look at this year. We, um, we don't have anybody that's crazy overpowering Eli and Caleb, I think are going to be our two front end guys. Um, you know, they, they threw a lot of innings last year already. And so we'll look at those two guys to kind of be our anchors a little bit. And then, but, um, you know, Mason Otting has been one that's thrown a lot of strikes. And even Ted Weber came up um, just in some situations last year where we just needed a guy to come in and pitch. And he was really impressive to me. I was like, wow, there's, I never even considered him to be a pitcher, pitcher for us. And uh, Jose Nava Vega was another one too, that threw some JV innings for us last year. And towards the end of the year, he developed a really great curveball and had much, much better command. And, you know, just, that's another guy that we'll look at. You know, we're really looking for those guys that, you know, we don't, we don't see a ton of people that throw seven innings for us anymore. You know, we need those, you know, a guy that'll come in for the seventh inning or whatever, not necessarily be a closer, but that'll, that'll just be a guy that gives us a chance to, to stay in games and not just walk guys or do whatever. And I think that's one thing that we really have this year with a lot of the people that we have coming back that are just, they're going to throw a stretch. They're not going to be overpowering, but you know, I think especially in the outfield with the, the experience that Tanner gained out there and having Caden there all year for us, we're going to be pretty good defensively. And um, if we can get guys to throw strikes and be consistent, I think that's going to be a huge deal for us. One thing I've noticed about the smaller programs is the successful programs, they don't have just a certain number of pitchers. Everybody they train and everybody they coach to be pitchers, so they don't have that hold them back with the pitching regulations and pitch counts that have been put in place. And I can tell you, the past couple of years that I was a freshman coach at Western Dubuque, the top pitchers that we saw in those seasons that I were there all came from Cascade. I mean, there were guys that were throwing against us that I was thinking, why is, why is this kid pitching a freshman game? And then knowing Nate McMullen, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm thinking Nate plucked these guys from the varsity roster to pitch against my freshman team just so he can brag to me at work the next day that he just took a double header from me. So I can tell you that the future with the pitchers that I saw just from coaching at the freshman level at Western Dubuque is is bright with those pitchers. Coach, anything you'd like to talk about or anything you'd like to mention about the 200, I'm sorry, the 2020 Cascade Cougars before we jump into the Around the Horn section of the podcast? Um, no, I, you know, I think one of the things – just I, that really sticks out is that you know, we have a hungry group of kids. Um, I think this year's more unique than any of that, you know, with, with missing track and with missing soccer, I think there's going to be some hungry people out there that want to compete because they, they've been missing it. And I think we got a group of kids that are sitting there just wanting to go ready to rear back and get it going. So I think this year in baseball, baseball in general, in this, in Iowa, you know, with, you know, people missing out on track and soccer and that's I, I think the competition level in baseball is going to be crazy. I think people are going to be excited to watch it. I think it's going to be great this summer. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for our guys because I think we got a great group of young kids that are, that are hungry, that want to compete, that are ready to go. And, 
you know, I think our develop our development from the beginning to the end of the year is going to be huge. And I think that's something that will really stick out. And we're going to gain a lot of a lot of great experience um, for our younger guys because they're going to be here for a while. You know, we've got a, some eight, some freshmen, some some sophomores that are going to get a ton of innings this year that probably weren't expecting it. It's going to be great for them and great for the program. I'm curious to see with this upcoming baseball season if there are kids that have never played baseball before or have not played baseball since eighth grade that are track superstars. If they go out for baseball just because they want to have some competition this summer and they want to get one last shot to to be with the guys again, I'll be interested to see how that all folds out. Well, I'd like to wish the 2020 Cascade Cougars the best of luck on their upcoming season. Now join us as we meet with Coach Roman Hummel for the Around the Horn section, which Cascade listeners, if you're new, they are five random baseball rapid-fire questions that Coach Hummel was not prepared or prepped for prior to this interview. Hey! this heaven no it's the around the horn section of the dubuque area baseball podcast five random questions that the guest were not prepped for coach hummel of all the coaches that i've done the around the horn with you you look like you are the most composed and you're ready to go first question favorite player growing up and favorite player currently Oh, there was a Twitter feed on here that had like your top five um, players, um, and mine were a little, mine were out there. But I, my favorite player growing up was Bo Jackson. How about current favorite player? Uh, my current favorite player right now is probably uh, Cody Bellinger. My uh, my dad took me to see Bo Jackson play when the Brewers were in the National League. I saw him strike out five times and break a bat over his knee, something I'll, I'll never forget. Question two, what in your opinion is the best out pitch in baseball? Wow, <laughs> the best out pitch. Um, to me, changeup. Changeup is, is just, that's been my equalizer as a hitter. So I always look at that as like, man, I hate seeing a great changeup. Um that to me is, is a big out pitch. That's that's been the number one. Eric Munson said a hard slider. He thought was the best out pitch. We're from Dubuque. We have a great location where a movie was filmed. So, what is your favorite baseball movie? Um, Major League. Okay, you agree with uh, Coach Reese on that one? And there was somebody else who said Major League too. It's not coming to the top of my head here, but semi-pro question for you. Who is the toughest pitcher that you have ever faced in semi-pro? Ray Kavanaugh. And what is your favorite Cascade baseball memory? Um, going to the state tournament. In 99? Yep. Awesome story from, from before. Thank you, Coach Hummel, for participating in that. We're going to enter closing time. Whenever you hear Mariano Rivera's Enter Sandman in the background, you know the podcast is coming to an end just like the Yankee games did when Mariano Rivera was entering the game. We know when we hear Mariano Rivera's music in the background, the podcast is coming to an end just like the game did when he entered. 
Stick around for closing time. We've made it to the end of the podcast and the closing time section is, it's tradition here, we're going to give our guest a cheesy nickname that somehow relates to baseball and we're going to give them some time to talk uninterrupted about anything that they would like about the game of baseball. So we have Cascade coach Roman Hummel here and I know from my experiences as a player he was a home run hitter so we're going to hit a home run with Hummel. You know I think with with our time that we have right now with everybody being shut up shut down and not being able to go out and compete like you normally would i i think you know looking at baseball right now is still having an opportunity to to have a season is really unique i mean nobody's been in a situation like this you know in, in a very very long time you know the, the the spanish flu of 1918 or whatever when how what that looked like for sports i really don't know but that's the last time we had a situation that was similar to this but i think you know you look forward to something and i think the seniors and a lot of even kids in general are going to be looking forward to competing and i think that's something that people are going to miss you know they're they're not having that opportunity to finish a track season to finish um, soccer season or anything like that and i think kids are going to look forward to to competing again. And I think they'll realize how much they miss doing that, especially being, you know, shut in like they are. I mean, even kids aren't out playing with football against each other or playing pickup basketball games or doing anything like that. And so you're looking at it right now as baseball is maybe that, that opportunity, you know, the America's game that everybody loves. It's a great chance to, you know, if we get that opportunity to play high school baseball this summer, I think it's going to be really unique. I think people are going to realize how much they love being out and about and watching games and, kids are going to realize how awesome it is to compete and be with your friends. Cause I think we took a lot of that stuff for granted going, going into this, that, ah, oh, it's a big deal. I don't, I don't want to play. I don't want to do this, but now that you don't have any of it, you know, baseball is the one thing that we all have to look forward to right now that there's a hope it's still going to be there. Coach, thanks for stepping into the box and hitting a home run there and, and sharing your thoughts with us. Minute with Manaman today, we're going to, talk about I first of all I'd like to thank coach Roman Hummel for coming on and promoting his program I'd also like to thank all the Cascade people and all the people out in that area that reached out and said they would like an episode on Cascade we're going to continue to cover them and we're going to continue to follow them I do want to tell people that as a coach and as a player I've always enjoyed my experiences going out to Cascade they have an amazing field. They have a field that when you watch the game, you're going to see a well-played game because Cascade has great tradition and they are taught the game well and they are fundamentally sound. Take a trip out to Cascade. I was there as a player. I'm not going to say the results of the game, but when I was a varsity coach at Hempstead, we showed up and We were ranked number one in the state, and Cascade threw their best pitcher against us, who I believe went on to pitch 
at the University of Iowa. And besides this coaching in the state tournament and besides the inner city games, that was one of those games that I can remember. The environment was electric. The announcer was spot on. The fans were high class, great quality people. And as an opposing coach, it was one of my favorite memories was playing out there in that ballpark and seeing the great tradition and seeing the great ball players that were on that field that will continue to be on that field and that came 50 years prior to us. So once we get out of this social distancing, once baseball is back, visit Roman Hummel and watch his Cascade Cougars hopefully bring home another conference championship and also take a trip to the state tournament. And just like that, 6-4-3, we're out of here. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.